Guys, welcome to the podcast. It's going to be an awesome episode with Dar and 14-year-old Parker Colburn, who just harvested a bull uh, just shy of 370 gross. It's his first archery elk with a bow, and it's a great story. Uh, there's pictures on my Instagram account, at uh, jscottoutdoors, uh, also on his dad, Dar Colburn, who's my hunting partner, at uh, Dar Colburn, and call me Parker, uh, call me underscore, or call underscore me underscore Parker. Uh, you can see more photos of this uh, awesome bull. Uh, before we get to that, guys, I want to, to remind you that GoHunt.com is the title sponsor of this podcast, and they're actually extending the 30-day free trial for the J. Scott Podcast listeners um, to October 15th. So all you have to do is go to GoHunt.com forward slash J. Scott click on the blue free trial button and go through the steps. It only takes a couple minutes. You will be required to provide a credit card, but you will not be charged until after the free 30 days. You can cancel at any time within the first 30 days to prevent being charged. If you have any questions at all, uh, you can email free trial at gohunt.com and someone from the GoHunt team will promptly respond to you. But you can go on there and look at why I believe it's the best resource for any Western hunter. Uh, so if you're applying in any Western states, the filtering 2.0 system, uh, which breaks down the harvest statistics and draw odds for each state um, is unbelievable. And the technology that they use to get precise uh, statistics is uh, the, the best resource out there on the market. So check out the free trial. Um, I wanna thank my other sponsors, uh, PhoneScope, uh, real game calls uh, and the outdoorsmen's uh, for their support, uh, guys. It's been an incredible uh, elk season. Uh, I've got a lot of uh, things to tell you about my elk hunt uh, in Utah, and um, been getting a lot of feedback from other guys out in the field. And if you go on my Instagram page, you can see a bunch of testimonials, uh, guys listening to the podcast and getting so much value out of it. And I appreciate you guys for all of your support uh, with the podcast. If you'd like to email me, you can send me an email, uh, jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Uh, you can go on any of my, uh, go to my website, jscottoutdoors.com, and you can go to any of my social media outlets from there. Um, let's get right to this episode with the Colburns. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have a special episode with the father-son duo, Parker and Dar Colburn. Guys, how you doing? Doing good. How are you, Jay? Good, Jay. How are you? Pretty good. I'm excited to um, talk to you guys about Parker's elk hunt in uh, central Arizona. And uh, it was bittersweet uh, uh, not being able to be there and and I've been able to share a few hunts uh, with you guys, and I was there, I believe, for Parker's first deer, and and I got to see him shoot that big giant deer on the Arizona Strip last year. And um, so while I was extremely uh, happy that you got a big bull, I was kind of sad that I wasn't there to enjoy it. Um, Parker, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, really good. 
Well, it was uh, cool to see you um, succeed in getting your first archery elk. Um, I want to back up a little bit. I know in the spring uh, you, you had been doing a bunch of shooting, and um, you've been uh, uh, shooting 3D targets now for, for quite a while competitively uh, with your dad. Um and um, you've really come a long ways as an archer. I was just curious your thoughts on um, your love for archery and, you know, your dad getting you into it and, and um, how all of that has evolved. Uh, I've, I've always loved to do archery. It's always been just a fun hobby. Uh, he got me into it when I was pretty little. I mean, I got my first compound bow when I was probably eight. Uh, just been shooting... I shot a lot to get ready for my elk tag, just making sure I can feel comfortable. Shots out to about 60 yards, just be comfortable shooting. Yeah, and Parker, you're uh, 14, about to turn 15 this December. Um, this isn't your first um, archery animal with with a bow. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about uh, your your? I believe you shot a mule deer. Was the first thing you shot with your bow? Yeah, I shot a, a mule deer when I was 11 with my bow, and then I this year I shot a javelina as well, and a turkey. Yeah, and a turkey. That's and awesome. Jay, I'll back up a second. He's he's 14, going on about 30. Yeah, yeah, I know that. It, it's I've known that since he was like five years old. Uh, I believe Parker, you already have a vehicle. You're not even uh, old enough to drive yet, and you're 14 going on 30. Haven't you already purchased your first vehicle? Yeah, I just bought my first Jeep Wrangler, 1994 Jeep Wrangler. That's and awesome. It's a, I, it's a manual, and he, he's already driving it himself on, uh, in, on the dirt roads, which it's hard to believe, but that's a different subject. I can remember... I think he spent some time driving some of my vehicles on, on, on some hunting trips, maybe even sitting in my lap years ago. I believe he yep. drove the Hummer around a little bit. Uh, but it's been great to see both of you, Dar, you know, being my hunting partner for a long time and knowing how much you love hunting. Um, and, you know, actually being down in Mexico right before Parker was born, uh, and um on a deer hunt and then racing back to make sure you were back for for uh, parker to be born and then to see how both with parker and paul that you've been able to um you know get them into hunting and and um, let them progress at their own pace um it's, it's just awesome my question for you dar would be for the dads out there what do you think is important about getting the kids? And then, Parker, I'm going to kind of ask you a follow-up question to this. But, Dar, what do you think uh, for the for the fathers and, and mothers out there getting their kids involved in, in hunting? Um, how important is that? And, and uh, how have you had success, um, you know, getting the boys involved? Uh, well, as, as you know, I'm super passionate about hunting and fishing in the outdoors and I, I'm not one of the, the parents that makes their kids do you know all the sports and started when they were you know three years old and kept them in sports you know every year and made them do this and made them do that I've 
my wife and I both have kind of always taken the approach that if they want to do something and try it, you know, we're, we're supportive. And if, if they like it, great. If they don't, it's not a problem. And I kind of took that, that approach with hunting and fishing. And, you know, as, as a parent and someone that likes to hunt and fish a lot, you have to make a sacrifice to get your kids into it because I obviously can't go like I want to go when you have young kids. And so you kind of have to change your, your whole outlook on it and your, basically your, your pace and, you know, go at their level. And if they want to go for an hour in the morning and and then they're done hunting, you know, you kind of have to just go with it. And I've kind of, you know, since my, both my boys were little, I mean, we've, I've, I've taken them on hunts and fishing trips, even if it meant, you know, I personally don't have success, but having them there was important. I mean, you remember when I was taking Parker with us on the San Carlos turkey hunting, you know, and he was three years old and your cousin and I and you packing him in a backpack because he couldn't walk very far. Um, so I, I've kind of taken that approach that my hunting is, is taking a back seat and I've exposed them to it and um, th- they both enjoy it. Uh, they're they're both different kids, though. I mean, Parker's up for about anything, and Paul likes it and and likes to go, but he he's not into it as much as his brother. So they're they're both different. Um, the other thing I'll say is that when when they've had hunts of their own, I've tried to really give them the most opportunity to be successful on those hunts. So you know, so they're they've shot their guns, they've shot their bows, whatever it is, I've scouted, I know where where the animals are so that when I do take them on a hunt, especially when they're first getting started, there's a high chance of them being successful, which I think has in turn made them enjoy it even more because it's, you know, if you're never successful on a hunt after a while, you just, you kind of would lose interest in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Parker, to um, follow up what your dad's saying there, um, how important was it to you to uh, have some success early and be able to see animals and, you know, kind of be in the game, so to speak? How how important do you think that was in your, uh, you know, advancement in hunting and, and really getting to enjoy it? Uh, versus if if it was very, very challenging and you saw very few animals, do you still think you would like it as much as you do now? Uh, Well, from like, are you saying not see as many animals as when I was like, when I was 10 years old or like this year elk hunting? No, like um, just growing up, you know, your dad's talking about giving you a lot of experiences of, of enjoyment and trying to, you know, put you in good units and good areas and kind of have things scouted out. If, if you would have gone, you know, whole deer hunts and never seen a deer, um, do you think that would have uh, been more of a challenge for you to really enjoy it? Or do you think by, you know, your dad, uh, scouting and, and trying to put you in good spots and, uh, where you can be successful, do you think that that really played a good role in, in kind of nurturing you along as, as a hunter and, and enjoying it? Yeah, it, it helped quite a bit, but I've always, I mean, always, I've always wanted to go with my dad ever since I was, I mean, when I was 10 years old, I drew my first deer tag. I was so excited. 
I mean, I I could care less if I shot a deer. I just wanted to go. But seeing all the deer and elk and all the animals is, yeah, it helped. It it definitely made me into it a little bit more. Awesome. I want to talk to you about this archery elk hunt. Uh, and your, I want to ask you first, Parker, about your setup, your bow setup, and uh, what bow and what arrows and, and kind of what, what you were using, your draw length and what have you um, for this elk hunt. Uh, for, uh, I graduated eighth grade and uh, my parents helped me buy a Matthews, a Halon 5. Um, I shoot a 25 and a half inch draw. I shoot about 250 feet, feet a second, 52 pounds and a 360 grain arrow. Nice. And um, what broadhead were you using? I shot a Wacom, a fixed uh, three-blade. Nice. So, Parker, you, you draw the tag back in the spring, and um, obviously you had all summer to prepare. How much were you and your dad shooting throughout the summer? Kind of what was your regimen? Uh, daily. Like, we'd go shoot every night, every other night. I mean, you're shooting a lot. Gotcha. Yeah. And... Go ahead. Since, when after, I'll just back up just a second. When when I was applying him, um, my my approach for for him drawing a tag, uh, you know you know my brother Kirk, you hunted with with him quite a bit. He was I believe working for you and I after college, and he had 17 bonus points and he had never drawn an Arizona elk tag. And you remember him saying, I just want to elk hunt. I don't, I don't even, I'm tired of waiting for an early rifle tag. I just want to go hunt elk. And I, that, that has stuck in my mind for a long time. And I didn't want my kids to, you know, wait 20 some years to hunt elk. So this year, you know, Parker had, I think five bonus points going in for elk. And I looked at the, basically the draw and went with the, you know, higher odds archery bull hunt just in the approach that I wanted to, you know, get experience, hunt elk, get to hunt elk a couple of times before really trophy hunting, you know, I mean, he's got his yeah. whole life ahead of him to wait for a good tag. My approach was kind of hope, hope to get him a tag in the next couple of years and get let the him, experience. Yeah. Let him elk. experience, you know, bugling elk and hunting elk. And, and, uh, so that was the approach going in and he he drew the tag with uh i think five bonus points yeah i i even remember i think we had talked uh before you applied and and you were talking about putting it for unit 4b in arizona which is not known at all for trophy and and i'm um, quite kind of known as a really tough unit and you know um just uh not a lot of big elk at all and um you know quite a few people and you know i obviously voiced my concerns of you know, while yes, you may be able to draw the tag, um, you know, having people all around you maybe would pull away from that experience. And um, it was interesting to hear your process, your thought process in that, in the way that, you know, you weren't even approaching this hunt as, you know, let's go kill a bull over 300 or let's go kill a bull over 350 or or anything like that. It was kind of like we're just gonna go have a good time. Um, we're gonna we're gonna you know go after branch antlered bulls and just just try and enjoy it as much as possible. And 
correct me if I'm wrong, but that's how I recall, you know, your process. And I think a lot of times if guys can go into a draw process or go into a year with kind of that attitude um, and prepare the best they can, it seems like, uh, you know, you set yourself up mentally for, for being in the right place at the right time and, and just being able to, to kind of stick it out and, 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 you know, make the best of it, so to speak. Um, curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, and I mean, just you and I have been fortunate to guide quite a few elk hunters over the years, and I mean, think how many people show up to hunt with us after drawing a, you know, a, a premium Arizona tag, and they've never hunted elk before. You know, it's like how that's a tough thing, in my opinion. You know, I didn't want my kids to to be like that. I wanted them to have, you know. A, elk hunting experience so that when they're older they've they've done it before and know what to kind of what to do if that makes sense so that was kind of my my thought process on 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 him you know hunting elk for sure parker um the the bow that you shot before this halon five um tell me about uh how much better do you like the bow you're shooting now uh compared to your old bow and uh, why did you make the switch uh, as, as far as you were you looking for better performance and, and maybe why you went with the Halon 5? Well, I have, I'm a really short, really short guy who just kind of runs in the family. So I couldn't, <laughs> I, the, the weight, the drawback weight wasn't the issue with the bows. I could pull the poundage for a bow, you know, for a, a youth or woman-sized bow when I was 10, but I couldn't get the draw length out of them. So I was just recently able to shoot a a, a real bow, so I call it a big boy bow. Yeah, the big boy bow. <laughs> and um, I I was shooting a Hoyt Charger, the bow before my Halon, and I it was nice. I shot my Javelina with it this year. I just uh I wanted more, a little bit more let off, and a little bit more speed, a little bit more forgiving. Just the newer and the better. So that that bow, he was he was shooting, I believe, what was it fifty pounds? Fifty, yeah. So he was shooting fifty pounds with that charger, uh, at twenty four and a half or twenty five inch draw length, I believe, and he was shooting, I want to say like two twenty five or two thirty feet per second, two twenty something like that. And so with this Halon five, uh, you know, it's it's a, a little bit shorter brace height. But him having a short draw length at 25 inches kind of offsets the the short race height. So he's with this bow, he's shooting a little heavier arrow, I think a 260 grain arrow or 360 grain arrow at 250 feet a second, which is, you know, that's a that's a big difference when you're talking, you know, that that sh- uh, short draw and the low, low poundage bow. Sure, absolutely. It's a big jump there, and and quite a bit better performing uh, bow and situation there. Uh, guys, let's take a quick break here. I have known the owners of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. 
Go to Outdoorsmans.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any products. PhoneScope is a company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. It is simple to text photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. Get yours now by using the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at PhoneScope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at PhoneScope. Okay, Parker, so as you started preparing for... Uh, as the season kept getting closer, um, how many arrows, I mean, were you shooting every day? How many arrows were you shooting? What was your thought process as far as, you know, what's your routine as far as do you shoot close and then keep backing up or do you start out far and, and move in? Um, kind of how, how were you preparing for this hunt? Well, I, I like to shoot three arrow groups, so I'm not too tired. Um, and I get shaky sometimes when I start shooting a lot so I start far shoot a few groups far and then I really focus on shooting close because I had I've had horrible target panic in in the past years and uh shooting close and making sure your pin is on right where you need to hit it every time it makes a huge difference at shooting far you mentioned target panic. Um, so how how have you found you've been able to overcome that? Um, what what advice would you give someone out there that that faces that? Uh, I shot a, a back tension release at close with no sight. I mean, you just draw back and close your eyes and just squeeze your shot off. Yeah, I mean, you do that for months, and I mean, once you start doing that for a while, then you can just move it back to ten yards and squeeze your shot off every time and that has made a big difference so for the hunt did you shoot a back tension release or or no. did you sh- shoot a regular trigger style release yep i shot just a regular trigger style i didn't want to risk it going off when i was drawing back and nice. I'll, I'll add a, a couple things jay if, if you don't mind uh yeah we set up the the targets for a big 3d shoot here in in uh, july the bow hunter happening and so Parker is up up with me, and, and Paul is up with me and my other son. We're up there for about a week setting targets for the, the shoot. And we kind of had his setup dialed in prior to that. And so up there, he did a lot of, you know, shooting at 50, 60, 70, 80 yards. Um, and at, at that point, he, he was shooting every day, it seemed like, but it would sometimes be you know, 10 or 12 arrows at the most. Just go shoot a few arrows just to stay, you know, stay sharp. Yeah, and in the routine. From that, I gather, do you feel like if you shoot too much, do you think you can you can overshoot? And, and yeah. I mean, do you feel like if you just shoot, you know, 10 or 12 arrows and just keep sharp and then just put it down and, and not think about it, does that help both of you out? Yeah, I mean, sometimes... Like, like even like, cause I had a over the counter archery tag. I mean, I didn't even shoot for, I mean, a few days before the archery season. I mean, I just waited 
till the two or three nights before and shot a few times made sure my bow was good because I didn't want to outshoot myself and have it be bad. Yeah, I, I think once you're, you know, you're got your muscles conditioned and everything from shooting and your setup is, is ready, I personally only like to shoot, you know, a few arrows a day and make them count rather than going out there and just shooting arrow after arrow after arrow. Yeah, just pounding the targets for sure. Right. Okay, let's let's move into um, getting closer to the hunt and kind of your mindset with that unit and knowing that it's really not known for, you know, trophy bulls. Uh, you know, in in a lot of states it would be considered a trophy unit, but in Arizona it's it's certainly not considered a trophy unit at all. Um, how was your, um, you know, a lot of guys pounded all summer and, you know, trail cam picks of velvet bowls and, you know, phone, you know, phone scope and velvet bowls and really getting into it. What was your mindset, uh, preparing for this particular hunt? Uh, well, there's a, a few things that the unit is very flat. There's a lot of thick pinion juniper country. So that's, it's not a very glassing friendly unit. Um, my mindset was we weren't looking for anything, you know, big really. I mean, we were probably going to shoot any five or six point um, that presented itself. And so I, for me personally, I, I didn't scout. I mean, we, we had planned to go up the, the holiday weekend before the hunt Um we set a few trail cameras out. Our, our good friend Daniel Franco kind of took us around one of the days and, and showed us a couple areas that, uh, you know, he would recommend. And, you know, we, we saw a few elk scouting that weekend, but there was just people everywhere. And, uh, you know, it, I didn't scout like I normally would just because of the fact that we weren't looking, you know, for any giant bull. We were just going to shoot a rag corner, shoot have anything, a good, yeah, good time. have a good time, just go hunt, you know, try and maybe get away from the people more than anything. Sure, and then once the hunt began and you guys got up there, I believe uh, opening day morning, I think you chased a bugle or two, um, can you walk me through that and then, and then transition me into uh, the afternoon hunt and your decision and, and your decision to do what, you know, go where you went and kind of st the style that you chose to do that evening and kind of how it all unfolded. Um, Parker, yeah. I, I'd like to, I'd like um, your dad maybe to set it up and then you to chime in with your thoughts uh, at, you know, what you guys were thinking as well. So I, I picked Parker up from school, ready to go Thursday afternoon. We had, we had left my trailer up there. Uh, the weekend before, so most of our stuff was up there. Um, I picked him up from school. We got got up to uh, camp right right before dark, and actually spent about three or four hours driving around, um, checking our cameras, checking five or six different cameras, and really, I mean, we had some elk on the cameras, but nothing you know super big or super consistent that. Um, it was worth sitting in the morning. Yeah, that was worth sitting in the morning or really that evening. Um, so our 
original plan was to chase bugles in the mornings and spit water in the evenings. And uh, Daniel Franco had, had told us about a tank and showed us a tank that he thought would be good. And so we ended up just kind of saying we were going to go chase bugles in the morning and uh, sit water in the evening. So I'll let, let Parker kind of say how the, the first day went. Well, we, we got up pretty early and wanted to be be the be there before everyone else and we we were uh my, my dad made me a cup of coffee actually so I'd get up and going real quick in the morning and we got in the truck and we got out and we're listening for bugles and we heard a bull it was across a kind of across a draw a little flat spot so we drove around and uh he bugled pretty close when we got to our other spot where we parked and we started chasing him and we were he he was bugling pretty good and he had there's some other bulls around him that were just little squeakers that were going off to and um we got in, you know, to hundred or hundred and fifty yards getting close and someone the cow so her, his cows started barking at us but we had perfect wind and they didn't see us or hear us. I mean we were being really quiet and uh so we came to the conclusion that someone came in downwind of them and bust them out of there. Upwind. Upwind, yeah. So that kind of shut him up in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, basically there's one bull bugling, and uh, we were, it was, like I said, thick junipers, and we were, I would guess, within 100 yards, 100 yards, and good wind, had not seen the bull, and his cow started barking, and pretty much stopped bugling, and they moved out of there, and that was, I mean, that was about or just after so we were we were pretty much done with yeah, the morning hunt you know fairly quickly so then you guys started shifting your focus to the afternoon and um kind of tell me how that unfolded well we we went and ate breakfast i think didn't we yeah and we went and ate breakfast and then we uh went back to the trailer and made up a plan that we were going to go sit this tank uh that we made a blind on that evening, so we uh, uh, we went back to the trailer and took a nap. We got up and we were in the blind at probably four o'clock, about four o'clock, and we're we're sitting there and you know I was just we're we always have a good time. We sit blinds a lot in Arizona for for deer and whatever, so we were always just having a good time in the blind, just screwing around, and we were it was about the power hours, what we call it. it about five thirty to six thirty is when the when the everything likes to come in and drink and we we were hearing a bull bugle uh pretty consistently but but he was out there you know miles in it did it make you want to get out and go chase him no no we were staying in, in the blind we weren't getting out it sounded farther than it was I think but there was one bull and he I think he bugled like twice yeah twice so. We were we were just excited that a, you know a bull bugled and you know was within earshot, so that was uh, exciting for sure. Let's take a quick another quick break right here. Real game calls featuring the elk reel.
Real Game Calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy-to-master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle-tested on some of the hardest-hunted terrain on Earth. Check out ElkReel.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.elkreel.com. Okay, Parker, um, continue with the story. So we were, it, it was getting, you know, pretty close to to dark, and we saw my, he bugled close, you know, right over this hill, and we were like, all right, he's coming in. So I got on my knees, had my Luminoc all knocked and ready to go, and we saw a bunch of cows, 14 cows and the bulls in the back, and I, I arranged a bush, on the outside of the tank, there was a uh, 40 yards. So I, I arranged everything in the tank to know where my yardages were. And the bull got to that bush. So I was like, he's in shooting range. You know, we're good. And he came in and he was in the water at 20 yards. And my dad told me before, he said, don't look at the antlers. He said, you focus on making a good shot. And uh, there was a cow that came one foot, like one foot from our blind. And she kind of smelt us or saw us or something. And she busted a little bit and the the bull kind of started walking and he got to the bottom of the berm and he uh my dad cow called and he turned broadside and I let it rip and smoked him so when the bull was in the tank doing his thing and the cow was standing a foot from the blind um did you feel like the cow was going to end up spooking the deal i mean were you going oh no this is not good that she was that close to the blind well she was walking up to it and then she got up to about a foot or two feet and then she kind of jumped a little bit and then um fortunately so, the bull the bull was able to stop and and you i've seen the shot it's an incredible shot it's perfect um but one question i would ask you parker is did you ever look at his rack or did you just basically say, okay, that's the bull and then focus on his body? And did you get excited and, and do you remember being like, okay, calm down or were you pretty calm? Or, I I mean, I know how I get and, and, um, just curious how it all went down as far as what were you feeling when the bull was actually in the water and you knew that it was probably going to happen? Well, I could, I could, uh, I looked at his antlers one time or two times, but he was out there at 150 yards when he was coming in. I knew it was him, and then I was on my knees pretty low in the blind, so I could just see the tips of his antlers. And um, he, and then I, I looked and made sure that it was the bull when I, because right when the cow busted, I drew my bow back, and um, I knew it was the bull because I looked and then I, I shot, but it was kind of funny. After I shot, I asked my dad, I said, hey, dad, do you think that bull was 300? I, I had no <laughs> clue. But the, the way this blind was set up, Jay, the, it, was, it was a pretty short um, short blind. There was not a lot of the, – the brush wasn't very high around it. So we, oh, so we you had, guys were in a, a – you were not in a – you were in a, a brush blind. You were not in a, 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 a traditional pop-up blind. Yeah, no, we were in a brush blind, and it was really low, so we were actually on our knees, and if, if you could picture being on your knees, but 
but ducking down so that your your almost your chest is close to the ground with our heads down trying to to stay low where they couldn't see us because it was it was a deal that they were so close that I told Parker and we discussed it before before anything came in that you know he wasn't going to be able to draw if, if they were looking and when there was you know 15 elk inside of 20 yards there was they were there for what three four minutes five minutes yeah. five minutes before before that cow came up to us so he we didn't he didn't have an opportunity to draw because they would have seen us so it, gotcha. if that if that makes sense we were just hunkered down kind of waiting for him to almost drink and start moving off to to get a shot so so when yeah had you guys discussed up, about um if the bull was drinking not to draw or wait till the bull's done or had had you discussed that at all yeah we had discussed it um and and you know we were close enough that i could whisper to him um but there was just there were so many eyes and and there were cows in and out in front of him and there, there, there was no opportunity That's, for him I to drawn back. yeah to draw at, at, up until when she spooked and they they started kind of trotting off it was perfect you know for him to be able to draw his bow and and I think that actually it helped us helped him because he was hunkered down and not looking at these elk for five minutes that makes sense yeah Dar when the bull was coming from 150 yards or so and you could have visual on him. You you knew it was a pretty big bull. Um, you were probably more nervous than Parker just because you probably had an idea that this was a pretty darn good bull. I mean, for the listeners out there, the bull's growth score is dang near 370. Um, did you how big did you think he was, or were you not even really concerned with that because you were just really going after a bull? Well, when when I saw him out there, like Parker said, like 100, 150 yards, I looked at him through my binos and said, yeah, it's a shooter. I, I And then he got to, I never looked at him again until he got in the tank. And I was thinking to myself, honestly, he was a, probably a 340 to 350 bull. Um, and I, I was nervous, but at the same time, I was, I was hunkered down so much trying not to move not to move or you know they we just had so many elk almost too close so yeah we uh we didn't have a lot of time to discuss anything and and one thing about parker he did a great job of uh you know knowing his his yardages around the tank so that when the bull spooked i never had time to range him or do anything parker just knew how far he was and you know from from ranging it prior to him coming in and he, you know, I just cow called with my voice a little bit and he stopped and I didn't tell him to shoot or anything. He knew already and he made a great shot. Yeah, he did make a great shot. His shot placement was awesome. I remember you, you guys giving me a text, I believe, uh, after the shot and, um, tell me, tell me after the shot, uh, how, how everything went down and kind of what you were thinking at the time and, and, um, your, your process from there. Well, I was, I, I forgot to answer your question before. I was keeping myself real calm because I knew I had to, or I'd get pretty bad shakes. And right after I shot, I couldn't even keep myself together. I was a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've been there, buddy. <laughs> as calm as he was at, before the shot, 
it all went out the window as soon as that arrow left. He was a, a disaster afterwards. Whole legs <laughs> looking like, yeah. Yeah. Man. You get stuff shaking you didn't even know you had, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you you can hear on the the video his breathing. It just sounds like he's in labor. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you hit, um, you wanted to kind of review the video footage, and I think you went back and got Daniel and, and then uh, went back in and got the bull. Talk, walk me through that. Yeah, so he shot him. It was, uh, it was 30 yards. He was quartering away pretty, pretty, pretty good, and when he shot, he was shooting the the nocturnal knock, and and on the video, it, it looked like it to me. It looked like it was about a third of the way up and a little bit back, but it was angled towards the opposite front leg. If that makes sense. Yeah, he was shooting at the right side of the bull, and and the arrow was angled towards his left front shoulder. Correct. So, in the video. And in my mind, I thought, so the bull runs out uh, probably 200 yards and stops in the trees. And we watch him for probably five minutes um, until it gets dark. And he, he just is standing there. So I, I watch the footage. And I think it's a little bit back, but I think he made a great shot. But it is a little bit back. So... We go, we, it gets dark, and right as it gets dark, we're kind of glassing out there, and two coyotes come out, and they pick up the blood trail. And they, they're out there, and they, they're standing out there about 100 yards sniffing the, the blood trail of this bull. So we stand up and kind of wave at them and get them to uh, leave, to take off. At that point, we decided we we'd better go get Daniel and at least watch the the footage on the you know a full size screen just to make sure. And uh, so we did. We ended up going going to Daniel's house and watching the footage. And it, you know, once we saw the footage on the TV, we we had a really good feeling that we were going to go back and find him right there. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we we did. We got got Daniel and my my brother Kirk uh had driven up that night with with his two boys, Tanner and Austin and my younger son Paul. So all of them met us and came out with us to uh go track the bull and uh he had gone I don't know 25 yards from where Parker and I last saw him and was right there. Awesome. Did the arrow go all the way through or was it, did it break off or what, what was the situation with it? No. So, so Parker was shooting the, uh, the VAT 400s, which are a, a thin, thin diameter arrow. But they, they have really good penetration. Um, and he got, when we found the bowl, I actually measured from the tip of the, the broadhead to where the blood stops on the arrow, um, he got 21 and a half inches of penetration. So it almost, it's a couple inches short of the fletching is where it, it buried to. And the arrow was still in it when, when we found it. Good deal. Yeah. So. Good deal. That's awesome. So Parker, um, you got to get some photos with your first archery elk and they turned out fantastic. And, um, 
not only did you get a big old set of antlers, but you've got piles of elk meat now. Do you like elk meat? Oh yeah. Good. Yes. So we, we, we ended up being able to get the bull in the truck and took it to Daniel's house, um, skinned it all out overnight and let it hang and then took it to the, the meat locker in the morning and the, the carcass weight, you know, without the head or, got or the limbs, all that, the hanging weight of the meat was like 450 plus pounds. Goodness gracious. <laughs> so, yeah, it was big body bull for sure. Well, that's awesome. That's that's an awesome story. Well, Parker, that's a pretty tall tall uh, task there, a big feat. Uh, it's going to be hard. Uh, you know, you've shot a 220-inch mule deer and now, a, you know, close to 370-inch elk. Um, do you feel like moving forward, do you think that that skews you know, your perception of, of elk hunting? You know, if you shoot something smaller, are you going to feel like you know, you're not doing as good or do you just feel like, you know, you were very blessed with, with getting to shoot a big one right off the bat. And I mean, do you feel like you can really enjoy, you know, maybe shooting a five pointer or, uh, you know, know, just getting a bull. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I would not care if I shot a raghorn, if I drew another elk tag, it was just pure luck to shoot that big of a bull. You know, I, the, the, the score is means less to me than having an awesome time. I mean, like going out there and having fun and having a good experience is means way more to me than have shooting a big bull. But you'll take the big bulls if you can get them, right? Oh yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, I was so excited for both of you guys and um, getting to see getting to see how all that came through and it's been fun Parker watching you grow up and uh watching you just uh you know you're quite the wheeler and dealer with buying and selling whatever it is and I I remember a quote from you probably don't even remember many years ago I looked at you one time I said man you're quite the salesman you're gonna will you come work for me and sell land with me someday and I remember you had a twinkle in your eye and you looked up you probably don't even remember. You looked up and you said, someday you'll work for me. <laughs> and I started laughing. I thought that was the cutest, funniest. I tell that story to a lot of people that I run into. And um, it's just been fun watching you uh, enjoy the sport uh, and the tradition of hunting like your dad and I both do. And um, it's been fun going on hunts and just watching your progress and you know, getting to see you uh, succeed and shoot in the men's division and in the pop-up and and um, do very very well and and um, quite honestly, you probably put me and your dad and you together and you're probably going to beat us in a in a in a shoot off. So it's it's for me, uh, you know, knowing you before you were even born, um, you know, it's just been awesome to watch how you progress and how you love the sport like we do. And so I want to commend you on, uh, you know, your great effort that you put in to to hone your skill and and be good at what you do. And and it's, you know, it's just one of those things that's rewarding. I know your dad is just proud as a peacock um, seeing how much you enjoy it. Um, And it's just a great thing to see, you know, your family be able to do these things together. And, you know, you and your dad spend a lot of time together. And I think 
Uh, you know, in this day and age, uh, fathers and sons getting to spend a lot of time together is very important with, you know, kind of the moral decay and such of our society. So it's just um, a pleasure for me to watch how you've progressed. Thank you. Yeah, we've, you got, we've, been, we've been blessed for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That's awesome. Well, I know you've got a deer hunt coming up and um, uh, lots of exciting stuff. I know you'll probably be uh, uh, ready for January 1st to hit so you can start hunting deer again, too, if you ki you kill a deer here um, on the rifle hunt. So um, you guys have anything to add uh, before we go? No, we we did talk about you, and we uh, we definitely missed having you uh, in elk camp. Uh, we were excited though that that you had your own tag and and uh, were up there chasing big bulls. Well, I think I'm gonna have to bum some elk meat off the Colburn uh, clan because I wasn't able to put meat on the table. Um, but I'm sure I can come by and get a few scraps here and there. Yeah, we will definitely uh, be happy to share, and and we definitely miss the uh, the J Scott elk calling uh, tutorial. Sure. Yeah, because it's, this guy. I'm sure. I'm sure you really missed uh, all my commentary and me telling you how I would do it. I'm sure it was actually a pleasure to just kind of not have the uh, peanut gallery weighing in on everything you do. Yeah, well, no, we definitely miss <laughs> having you in camp for sure. Well, um, Parker, what's next for you, bud? What What do you got coming up? Uh, the, my youth deer tag. Cool. Yeah, you get it. excited? Yeah, I'm super pumped. Yep, we Have got you that. Been shooting. Weeks. Yeah, I've been shooting quite a bit. Being ready. Cool. What gun are you going to shoot for that hunt? Uh, I just built a 280 Ackley that I'll be shooting. Cool. What bullet are you shooting? Mm, I can't decide yet. An ELDX or a burger. What um, are they both shooting well, and that's why you can't decide, or you just haven't made the final decision? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dad, what are you leaning towards there, as as far as his setup? Are you on the fence too with the bullet? Uh, no, I think he's going to shoot a burger. Uh, his gun is, seems to really like the burgers over the the uh, the Hornadies for whatever reason. It probably because I haven't had tons of time to mess with it too much. He just he just built this gun and we we got it back like a week ten days ago. So we're kind of we're a little bit limited on time. So we have to the burger load is shooting good. So we're going to just probably go with that one. Gotcha. Well, um, guys, it's been awesome having you on here and um, can't wait to see um, how the, how the you know, the next four, five, six years are going to be awesome to watch uh, Parker. And obviously, as he, you know, gets through high school and into college, you know, it may cut down some on his hunting time. Um, not but it's, <laughs> not if you have anything to say about it. Yeah, not a chance. Maybe I can start hunting again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give give dad a chance to hunt again. But it's uh, going to be awesome just to see how, um, you know, you progress with, with your craft. And um, just hats off to you both for, for um, you know, 
spending as much time as you guys do and, and making it a family affair. And um, thanks for sharing the story here with us and uh, look forward to uh, discussing how your deer hunt goes and how future hunts go with you. Sweet. Well, we appreciate you, uh, you having us on and we love your, uh, love your podcast. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. Uh, God bless. Till the next time I see you, Parker. I can't wait to see this bull. Um, it's it's a big, heavy bull. Um, from what not having seen it in person, I'm betting that the mass kind of hides some of that length. Um, tell me, tell me uh, what the bull. You know, for the listeners out there, they can probably go on my Instagram and look at some pictures. They can go on. Uh, uh, Dar Colburn and call me. What is it? Call me. It's call under under slash. Tell me your your address for Instagram, Parker. Call underscore me underscore Parker underscore. Perfect. Um, tell me about the rack. Uh, it's a big heavy sucker, isn't it? Yeah, I got his uh his left G one is twenty one and two eighths. Uh, his G two is. 19 and 4 eighths on his left side. G3 is 15 and 7 eighths. G4 is 14 and 4 eighths. G5 is 13. Main beam on his one side is 55 inches. Uh, and then his C1 is 9 and an eighth. 2 is 7. 3 is uh, 6 and 4 eighths. 4 is 6 and 5 eighths. And so then, he's just uh, a heavy, heavy bull with big beams and yep. big fronts, big fronts. And, and um, I can't wait to see him in person. Uh, it's just awesome. Yeah, he's a cool bull. For sure. Well, guys, uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll see you down the road here, okay? All right. Thanks, All right thank Jay. you. All right. Bye. Bye.